Welcome to the Bodacious Women in Cannabis podcast, the show where the bold and brilliant women cannabis business leaders share their journey and their expertise. Here's your host, Susan Burns. Hi, this is your podcast host, Susan Burns. I'm also a lawyer in the cannabis industry. Nothing delights me more than showcasing bodacious women in cannabis. And today is no different. We are talking with Jane West, the curator of thoughtfully designed cannabis accessories. If you want beautiful and elegant form that follows function, you definitely want in on this episode. Welcome, Jane. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a delight. I can't believe the products that you've created. So, um, and your website is beautiful. Tell me, Jane, how did you start on this journey and what led you to believe to create such unique and beautiful yes. things? Well, um, I'm excited to be like telling my story this year, especially. I've been kind of quiet and heads down uh, working on things for the past couple of years. But uh, this fall will mark the 10 year anniversary of creating the brand Jane West and creating my very first company in the cannabis space. Um, and so it's been like just a really thoughtful year knowing that we're about, I'm about to hit this milestone. Um, at that point in time, Colorado and Washington were the only two states that had legalized and Colorado hadn't even opened up doors to dispensaries yet. Um, so it was the fall of 2013 and I was out to dinner with a friend who, uh, did have a med card and had acquired some edibles and wanted me to try them with her. And, um, and I'm, you know, everyone knows that I love cannabis and always would have it at my home and have bongs and other, you know, items around my house. Um, and so she knew she, she knew she, she could ask me and I'd be down to try it. And I was blown away at the packaging the, that it told you how many calories was in each one. Like, and that it, like, I was really surprised at how like modernized and like, it was, it looked like a trusted, I was excited to try this product. And so, um, so we did that edible. I had such an amazing night. I barely drank anything. Um, and all night long I was like, okay, this is the future, like uh, this, this is about to be legal here in Colorado. And look, you can like consume these products like this, that, you know, make you feel so amazing and not drink alcohol. And, uh, and I, and so I went back home and like, it was, I had a full-time job. I, um, I have a master's degree in social work. Um, I work for, worked for a company doing experiential education for high achieving high school students and, um, loved my job. I had a three and five year old at home. Um, and so, but my kids had just kind of started full-time school. So I did have a little bit more time on my hands. <laughs> and so I decided to start, uh, it was really, wasn't a company in my mind at the time. It was just edible events. And once a month in Denver, Colorado, we were going to host a cannabis friendly event. And, um, what kind of I, event, like a, a social event or speakers or I mean, what kind of event were you thinking of in, initially? Well, at the time there really was nothing for cannabis consumers to attend. And I attended a few things I could kind of find and they were not my aesthetic. They were not my audience. They were not my music. So basically it was a Friday night event that was two and a half hours long with live music in a local art gallery that doesn't have a liquor license uh, and that like where I could host an event and then I also had it catered. And so each event had a different theme to it. 
The first one is the end of prohibition on January 24th. And so, yeah, so I started that journey of planning these events and it was just the beginning of this like incredible, fascinating maze that is the cannabis industry. Like I had to interview caterers who were like, I would never want my brand associated with cannabis because if people start puking or something, they'll blame it on the, you know, I just started to realize like all the different feelings people have in my community around it you know, going into different art galleries and asking them about hosting this event there and hearing, you know, their reactions to it. It's just really interesting. But I found an amazing guy, Michael Burnett at Space Gallery, and he had this huge outdoor area. Oh, we had an event at Space Gallery. Yes, it's lovely there. Yeah. So so I was his first feed event. Um, yeah, and so it was live music, food, entertainment. Each ticket was $125. It was just for going to be for 100 to 150 people. And, and, I, and that's really what I did for a living. Like I produced events for both of Obama's inaugurations where we rented museums on the National Mall. So like a party at my gal an art gallery that's catered wasn't like, that didn't seem too overwhelming for me. It was like, oh, this will be an amazing weed event. So we also had to rent a bus in order to follow all the state regulations. Um, buses are, are considered private property. And that's why these different 420 tours can flourish in different cities, being able to consume on a bus. Ah. So the bus was out front. I had insurance from Lloyd's of London. I had a security team and I started selling tickets to the event. And, um, and so, and it was called edible events. The very first event was packed. There was tons of media there, which was another really important decision I had to make because people didn't want to be filmed consuming cannabis. But one of the goals of what I was trying to do, changing the way people think about cannabis, was change the aesthetic going with it. Every article back then would have a, like, dude, whoever, whatever you define a dude being with, like, a giant bong and, like, a giant cloud of smoke. And, and that picture, would, or a picture of a weed leaf, would basically accompany every article. And like that's cannabis is for everyone. And so like I wanted to show people this other side of it, but how would I do that if I also like adhered to some of the guest requests to not have cameras? And so we went all in with cameras. I had it all over the information. Like if you don't want to be filmed, you, sh you shouldn't attend. And uh, people came from Oklahoma. People came from other states. It was amazing. Um, and a lot of news outlets came. And so CNBC, Al Jazeera, and a different groups were there. Um, Harry Smith wanted to interview me. Um, and came to my house for, but I wasn't sure if like where all that footage would go or what would actually happen. And, uh, the event was a success. I went back to my, you know, I, it was just a one Friday night party. Um, and I had another one planned for February and one for March and, um, it was exciting. It was like this new thing I was going to do. And then footage of the event and my interview with Harry Smith, where I say, I think it's just important to cause he's like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing, this? you know? Uh, and I, I'm saying, like, I think it's just important to say, I use marijuana and that's okay. And so that footage was utilized by Brian Williams on the five o'clock evening news, national news on uh, February 26th about marijuana in Colorado, uh, launching the first marijuana in America special. And I got fired from my job the next day. <laughs> and, uh, and it was all like justified. Oh my God. I know. And so, like, when people tell the story or when it gets written, sometimes it seems like this, like, badass thing I did. It was not. It was very bad. It was very bad. It was not what, like, because I had also, in, in the four months that I had, like, 
made this startup in cannabis, I had also decided this is really hard. Like this is like, there's not like sponsor dollars everywhere for this stuff. And there's not like, you know, this is really hard to do. I'm just getting started. It's a lot of work and there's a lot of nuance to navigate. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, so that, but that did continue my story. So already the name Jane West and what I was doing and edible events and all the things were being written about. And then they wrote about the party. And then when I got let go, they, that was written about, it was on the cover of the, of the Denver Post, like local cannabis event planner, you know, asked to leave corporate position. And cause I hadn't been selling cannabis. The goal was just to have an event that, you know, everyone could enjoy, you know, what they brought on their own. Um, and so that, you know, really kept me in the news and I tried to focus on the events as best I could. Um, the city. So, wait a minute, Jean. So you didn't sell at the event people. It was a BYO. Yes. BYOC. Yeah. Okay. All right. Got it. So, and, and that was clear too, you know, and we did make some recommendations, which was the goal of edible events was that like, eventually the sponsor would just be a product that we recommend and customers can use a code to go buy. And then like before the event, you should probably like, it's all designed around this new like tropical edible with CDN or some, you know, some, some fun thing. Uh, so education would be great. Like there's still so much limited education because of how much they limit our ability to communicate about the product. But um, so we, I went all in, I started, um, I turned the event series over in the summer um, into a fundraiser for the Colorado Symphony Orchestra, who was super progressive about it. And really like they had just gotten a ton of new audience with Beethoven and Bruce. And now they um, wanted, they were open to cannabis. And so we turned the summer events at Space Gallery, where you've been, a beautiful location. Uh, the Colorado Symphony Orchestra played. Um, the That was covered on um, CBS This Morning, among other outlets. And it was lovely. They did such a great piece on it. And um, and so things were going better, but also like it was it was really hard. There wasn't like, I, I, I couldn't host an event every week, whether I had the capacity to do so or the funding, it wasn't like, this wasn't an operating business model. And I also wasn't a business owner. Like I'd always been like, I have a master's in social work. I worked in international relations. I was always, I was never in a CEO, you know, CEO position. And so um, we hosted the events, but we were getting a lot of attention from the mayor, 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 Michael Hancock, who does not like cannabis. And so Two months later, after all the hoopla and the symphony stuff, um, he sent a SWAT team to my 420 brunch, Wake and Bacon. And uh, it was on Easter Sunday, 420, 2014, and, um, and put, put an end to all the events. Like, we still move Based forward. on what? Um, the lawyer in me wants to know. On April 20th, 2014, there were like five bigger cannabis events occurring. Like like the doors were opening to actually being able to do this. And no one really was cracking down. Like it, it was working. We were, we were doing everything we could above board. Like I had in security and insurance and the permits for the bus and everything. Like, but no one had told us we like couldn't do it. And since there were no regs written around social consumption and the mayor wanted to like, basically like make an example out of us. Um, like three of the events were shut down hard, like with, with a SWAT, like eight person SWAT team at a bakery wow. and, uh, and they took all that they, and they, they, there wasn't anything they could actually hold me for legally. So instead it was all based on the fact that we had a mimosas 
and I didn't have a liquor license. But this this is like a minor nuance, not something you actually use a SWAT team for. Oh like it's the same thing as when you get like a glass of wine at a nail salon or, or an art gallery. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so that was like, and then that was a pretty big news story because they were like the mayor, you know, that, that was in Slate and all these bigger outlets. Reason Magazine did a great piece on it. Um, yeah. And so then I, I was in court like six different times. I eventually had to plead guilty. Cause like they had, they still had the bottle of champagne, like in <laughs> really like my lawyer's like, this is really weird that there's still how this bottle of champagne back there. Um, I'd like to introduce <laughs> I know. our first piece of evidence. Exactly. So a you bottle of stale champagne and yeah. look, it's very tasteful champagne, but nonetheless. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, so that was, that happened on April 20th. So I started my company in the fall of 2013. And on April 20th, 2014, that was when the, everything really started to get like shut down in terms of my ability to host any event, let alone a cannabis event. And so um, at that point though, I was had been in the news a lot, like, Denver Post cover on top of El Jaciris, on top of five o'clock evening news with Brian Williams. And like the name Jane West was quite prominent. And a lot of women were reaching out to me about like, how do I get in the industry? I want to do what you do. Like, and I was like, I do not, I do not know what I'm doing. Like, I do not know. I am not. And you don't want to do this. (laughs) Yeah. And this isn't working and I don't grow weed and I don't, you know, and I don't have a license and whatever. And so but I do, you know, I, I did run pretty large scale community building national programs with for over a decade with uh, my social work degree. And so I founded Women Grow. Um, I, I, I started just pivoting in every interview I had. I just talked about how women need to enter the cannabis industry. And now is the time. And I was also pretty naive about how quickly money and you know wealthy entrepreneurs and vcs would like remove opportunity but what i saw in in 2014 in colorado with only was nothing but opportunity like i know women that owned a dispensary that owned an edibles company that owned a lab that owned a grow like there was so many so much opportunity available and you know thousands of people in colorado have growers licenses there's hundreds of dispensaries. Most of them are still independently owned. Like I really believe that this was going to be a small business revolution nationwide that also like really did improve our communities. Cause a lot of the public health data coming out of Colorado, you know, shows these different, you know, positive effects of legalizing cannabis. And so, um, so I wanted the world to know, I was like, okay, let's do this. Like I started the women grow chapter. I founded the company, I um, protected its IP, you'll appreciate. Um, and Mary Shapiro helped us with that. And I just started holding monthly meetings in Denver as like the chapter chair. And then after I had done that uh, for four months, I kind of had a model of how to show someone else to do it because people, so many people were reaching out that I was like, okay, fine, just start, start your own chapters. Like, this is how you do it. This is how you set up the event. We managed an Eventbrite page which gave us a lot of credibility at the time because we wouldn't have ha- been, had a way to get people's ticket. Like we caught, we charged $40 to go to an event. And so, um, so I founded women grow. I, I immediately was like the national events director. Um, and then 
found people around me to like, I, there, Jasmine is in the CEO position and, um, and we've got founding members and, um, and I worked solely on building women grow for 18 months. Uh, we did a national, our first national event with women from all over the country and Willie Nelson's wife. And then Melissa Etheridge came to the next one. We did events at the, uh, opera house downtown, which was just really like, it's in the performing arts center. So that was like a really full circle moment, like what we've tried to start doing, what we're actually doing here, you know, and women came from all over the country, all over the world, <laughs> from multiple co- other countries to attend those summits. Um, and yeah, and then by, uh, the, by the summer of 2016, like I knew I wanted to do other things, which <laughs> certainly women girl was not like what I meant to, you know, end up doing. Um, I, there was so much desire for people to to have these different leadership positions in cannabis as well. And I really wanted to make my own products. Like one of, you know, I hadn't done it yet. (laughs) I hadn't like sold cannabis yet or grown it yet or designed products yet, but I knew that I wanted to, and no one else was doing it the way I I'm, I'm doing it now. So what, what, what made you want to create your own products? Was it because there was something that you were looking for that you weren't exactly finding in terms of, uh, uh, effect? So, or, um, you know, just primarily consumption my or, first motivation was to was create physical products, that, yeah. like consumer product goods that were improved because like, I think they're how I think a bong is a houseware an accessory. It's not paraphernalia. The word paraphernalia defines something that is illegal. And there's a lot of reasons that the products that we use, the the pipes, the size of the bowls, the way it's designed, it's there's a lot of reasons behind their design that are have to do with them being illegal and for use with what is considered illegal activities. However, if you have a like modern outlook on cannabis and consider it something that is welcomed into your home and you would offer guests and you would have people over and have it, you know, be consumed, how would things look different if it's not being hidden under your bed? when guests come over and instead is something that is like part of your household and part of your life. And, and so like I, when I, my first, and that really started with the events because I wanted a bong bar and I couldn't even find, if I could find a bong that I really loved, it was handmade. And so was not replicable. Um, and also the handmade and hand blown nature to much, much of the glass that we use. It's beautiful. And I, and, a massive national community of glass blowers like puts amazing designs out there, but they're not replicable. And they're also, you can't have like that mechanization where you know every single slide and every single bowl is going to fit in perfectly. And there's a reason to design bowls a certain way. Like my bowls are very triangular so that you have more green to consume versus more of a circular bowl. We're getting off of like the design world. <laughs> Um, but basically, yeah, I was trying to find five bongs for a bong bar, my first bong bar, that I wanted all on display. And I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't find five because I didn't want the, it to look like everyone. I didn't want it to be expected. Um, but I couldn't find anything that was that was my aesthetic. And so I designed this first line. So like one like this line, this is designed to also be shorter than a wine bottle. So it looks so how tall is that? Because we're, um, I, I mean, you and I are recording with video, but we're, we're going live with audio only. So for the listeners, it's beautiful. I'll just say it's beautiful. Uh, it's 11, only 11 inches tall and it's designed to be 
slightly shorter than a wine bottle so that it like fits more seamlessly onto like a tablescape. So just like giant bong and has a big, wide, heavy base so that it doesn't tip and whatnot. Uh, a lot of circular bongs tip a lot. Um, so yeah. Oh yes. I remember the bong juice days from college. Yes. And so, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I had, I had a lot of ideas and I needed to just start working into them of like, how am I, how can I do this? What products could I bring to market first and why? And so, um, yeah, so by 26, the summer of 2016 was my last day at Women Grow. I hired a next generation of staff and um, went on to start designing my own products. And the rest is history? I guess so. You know, I mean, it's very, everything is so hard. Um, everything is so hard. Consumer product goods are hard, but I still absolutely believe in them and believe they are like, the backbone of the brand I'm building um, as cannabis expanded across the U S and I saw how legalization was occurring, who had access to licenses, the limitations that were being put on products offered and why, you know, it's, it's been really honestly sad to watch like the, the entrance of publicly traded companies into the space when the rest of us can't even get banking uh, the word MSO, like that was not a word. In 2014, yeah. you know, yeah, MSOs and marijuana when we were when we started on the whole journey yeah. was not we didn't those weren't two M's that went together exactly and like I remember being like that's never gonna work this isn't federally legal they can't like have operations in all these states and get money from Canada and like they can't have it so so you know a lot of things have changed that really are have drastically affected the landscape because so few people have actually the right to grow this plant. Yeah, so it's it's tilt, it's tilted in favor of large businesses. Yeah. Um, we just went we just went through that in Minnesota, the twenty third state to legalize, assuming the governor's gonna sign the bill. Um, he hasn't as of this recording, but but uh, yeah, the way that the legislation is drafted is I'm still making my way through it, but it's yeah. it's it's sad. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. I really like hope I that talking. I'm gonna make like now that because I have a new glassware line coming out, and um, tell tell can you can you give us a can you tell us a little about your new glassware? Absolutely. What's coming out? Absolutely. So wait, um, Jane. First, you know, I don't think everybody knows about what your product line consists of. So why don't you tell us about that? So um, I'm a flower lover. And so, um, I mean, while I am starting to dip into concentrates and other products like that, um, and edibles, which we're introducing our edibles line next year, um, everything I've designed to date is really for flower and making the experience um, fit more seamlessly into your life, making it um, something that's cl like cleaner and more manageable and that you're really just... There's such amazing cannabis being grown out there and the way you choose to consume it and the small little nuances of how you do it drastically affect the user experience. So, you know, cannabis is bought in stores all over this country and it's either a pre-roll or it's in a jar as like flour. And so in a pre-roll, there's a lot of paper involved. It affects the taste and it's also a lot of combustibles that you're inhaling. So really one of the best ways to consume flour is through glass. 
Um, glass can hire, can handle very high temperature and it really is the cleanest tasting experience by far. It's also like really easy to clean glass items so that all of the products and home goods you have for cannabis around your house are nice and neat and clean and ready for a great user experience where you're not tasting ash or other debris. Um, and so my products were all designed around that. My first, so I designed a line of glassware first. Um, it was the first Jane West line, um, very petite. <laughs> I mean, people kept calling it petite, but really the capacity of my bong was just about the same as the capacity of your lung space. And buying a bong that is larger than that isn't logical. In fact, like a more petite bong allows you to get a denser hit of smoke, which is what most heavy users are going for. Um, and so I designed a glassware line. I have the bong, a bubbler, which is another water filtered device, bongs and bubblers using water filtration cools the smoke before you inhale it. Um, which is great and also pulls out a lot more particulates from, from the smoke that you'd be inhaling. So I have two water pieces in my first line and then three handheld pieces, a taster, which is like a small chillum, a small mini single serving pipe, which I love. I'm all about the chillums. I made more and more. And then also a steamroller. Um, I love steamrollers. They allow for new users to really control, control the flow of smoke because there's a large carb on them. Um, and then also, oh, I don't know what a steamroller is. Um, a steamroller, it's kind of like, well, when you see them in like a store, when you see a steamroller, <gasps> this is a funny pickle pipe my kids bought. Okay, when you see a steamroller in a store, it looks a little bit like this. It's just a tube. So it looks like a pickle, yeah. But okay. because there's a big carb at the end, you can see all the smoke and then release the carb at the right time to inhale. As opposed oh, to a so closed, you, can, you control dose by what by being able to visually see what's happening. Exactly, oh. and with like a regular I love pipe, I learn every yeah, day. without a with a regular pipe that doesn't have a carb, your only option is to keep pulling, and so you're pulling, you know, pretty hot crop smoke, burning. You're you're lighting something in fire in front of your face and inhaling it. So you want to just give yeah. it a second to cool. So my steamroller looks like this has little feet so it sits up and then the bowl very is very triangular so that you can like actually like smoke mostly green and what I mean by that is if you, you buy your flour you bring it home you really should be doing some type of grinding process to release the terpenes and then you load the bowl with it and you can see the green right well as soon as you char part of it to consume it you should not smoke that part again that is charred can't you should and so um, the triangular bowl allows for you to do that more and really like get the most out of every bowl. So that was my first glassware line, but um, I didn't, ultimately the contracts I entered into around it were not behooving of my company. And I really needed to move forward with things that I only, that I designed and owned all the designs for. Um, my goal with the first line too, was to have it always look clean. And so um, that's why we chose this mint and then also um, cloud white and a cobalt blue. So that no matter what, when you take a picture of my products, it looks clean. It can be really dirty on the inside, but it's opaque and, um, and you can see it. And so um, so my goal with the second glassware line was to definitely have it be transparent because it is important for the customer and user to be able to see the smoke and how dense it is and you know consuming. Um, and also be really affordable. You know, my first line I entered into uh, with the company as under a licensing deal and like 
they set the pricing just too high. And um, I want something that people can have in their home and buy for gifts and have it be like at a right price point that's accessible. Um, I also really wanted to create something like familiar that it like fits into your household. It's seamlessly, um, but new. Yeah, I wanted to look, be familiar, but also in the cannabis world, be like new, like, oh, I've never seen anything quite like that, right? While also, again, always having attention to form and function and detail of the actual user experience of consuming. Um, so one of the first things I wanted to create was an ashtray. So, so the, the new line is called the 20s Collection, and it's to celebrate the 2020s as the decade of cannabis acceptance. Like we're only here in 2023, we have seven more years to go. And I think that a lot will change, hopefully, hopefully. We definitely need another wave of activists out there fighting for people's rights to grow this plant. But either way, whether it's big business or everyday people, like the world is, the world's relationship with cannabis is gonna be drastically different by the end of this decade. So this glassware line is called the 20s collection and um, it's inspired by some of these pieces from around my home. There's not any textured glassware out there and it's something that's so familiar in the American home. I started with designing an ashtray. Um, the ashtray is designed so that like lighters and joints don't fall into the bottom of it. And also the edge is perfectly flat and has grooves set in it to be able to hold a joint just perfectly because joints should rest on their side Per, um, horizontal when you're not consuming them so that you don't canoe them and burn the flower um, if it's at an angle. Um, and so this is the, the first design was the ashtray, which I just love. I picture it in social use lounges, which finally, finally are starting to gain traction in certain states. Um, and then second, it, there's a hand pipe that goes with the products. Um, it has a carb like we just talked about, so you can control the flow of smoke. And um, it also like feels really like a rocks glass in your hand, like that feeling of like this serving. It has a nice thick rim, so you can, if you choose to use concentrates or put a torch to it, um, you'll be protected. And uh, yeah, and then just like in the steamroller, you'll see like you can see and control the flow of smoke, which is just important for customers to be able to do, especially new users. Um, and then finally, the last piece is the water pipe. And so this is designed specifically to be able to have a 40, a banger put on it. Do you know what a banger is? I don't. Okay. So, so I, the, so I'm from Minnesota and they, and, um, they're just legalizing, <clears throat> as I mentioned. <clears throat> so my familiarity with the beloved marijuana plant was, is from, college years, which is many, many years ago. Got it. And so we had nothing of this nature. Yes. So many, many bongs, because most bongs are designed just using Chinese um, scientific glassware, like a tube and a beaker, literally, uh, the, the pull, the, the pull, which is what you call this part that goes into it, is goes in at a 45 degree angle. So it fits inside of the beaker triangle because that's the shape they were trying to work with. However, and, and then you tip it back to use it. However, I wanted my new uh, water pieces to have a vertical, whoop, a vertical insert so that um, 
they go in for straight from the top. It makes it a lot easier to use the product. It doesn't, it means it doesn't require the customer to pick up the bong and tilt it towards them. It can just be resting on a table. And then these also can be used with bangers, which customers that like to use concentrates, they use um, a device that comes out at an angle. And so you need to be able to have the pole be going perfectly vertical through the glass piece. So uh, this is the water, and but it can still be used just like a bong and even better because you'll be able to really control the amount of smoke that you're inhaling. Um, so those are the three first three pieces of my 20s collection line, and they'll be available uh, starting in quarter four this year. I just closed my first distribution deal for it, so I know that the orders will be moving forward, um, and they'll be landing ideally this year. I don't know if for sure they'll be landing, but we're definitely uh, placing our POs now, and I'm really excited about that. Um, some of the other things I've designed, I have a, a dugout line called the travel collection um and that is really just like i know you definitely know dugouts you've probably seen them like wooden a wooden dugout with a little thing that looks like a lighter okay this is my dugout and the you fill it here it's the same it's wrapped in stainless steel it's the same size and shape as an iphone so it like fits more seamlessly into your life. It comes with a little pick to clean out the pipe. And then there's also a second chamber at the bottom. So you can um, carry two varietals on you. As I've expanded my flower offerings nationwide, like partnered with locally owned growers who I want to represent the Jane West brand, everything they sell is in day and night. And so most of my products I try to be able to offer so that the, my customers and I can travel with two varietals on me at any time. Um, because people just, you know, cannabis is something that I believe there's just like so much, like the, the, part of the joy of cannabis is the variety, is the different experiences and the different varietals. I don't know anyone who like just smokes one thing all the time. Um, and so like for the, I just showed you the one we designed for men. This is the compact for women. And it's just, a it's also a dugout and has the pipe and your lighter fits inside. And again, there's a container for day and night flower so that you can keep track of what you're consuming and that you have these different varietals on you and everything you need, including your lighter is right here in your hand and your purse and fits seamlessly into your life. and looks like everything else you own. It isn't like tie dyed or wooden. Um, and so, so that was the travel collection. So, and I want to, I want to use that Jane, to segue into, um, uh, your website is janewest.com, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Because I'm, because I'm looking at this beautiful product, but the listeners yes. can't see it right now. But if you go to janewest.com, you'll be able to see all of these beautiful, uh, elegant products and you're going to want them all. And where else can we find you on social media, Jane? Well, um, I'm really, I'm not one for editing myself and I'm not, I will not accept the censorship that is being applied to cannabis companies anymore. So with this last round of Instagram and Facebook shutting down our accounts, we're really like pulled off social media. It's just not friendly to cannabis companies. And, and so everything can be found at janewest.com. And um, all the blog posts, um, there's design 
details uh, where we kind of dove back into some of our industrial designs to like explain the products. There's videos of me using all the products I have designed and explaining how to use them. And those can be applied to all products. It's obviously I'm using my bong, but it's, it is informative to people new and returning to cannabis. So all of that stuff can be found on janewest.com with direct links to our YouTube page that also has all those videos and content. Um, there's also a whole set of videos that I did describing how to use the five most popular vaporizers, which is a great way to consume without actually, you know, inhaling a lot of cannabis, the, the modern vaporizers. They run a customer between like $200 to $300, but it's definitely a worthwhile purchase. And, um, and so I explain how to use the five different most popular ones on the market because they, they are confusing. Um, so yeah, so we're just trying to control, you know, our own, I just want to make sure we're giving everyone the best information. And when censorship starts to limit that, um, we just are using the platforms that will welcome us and host us. Nice. Now I'm, I'm doing everything in the, in this conversation with you, Jane, I'm, I'm not do I have a certain order that I usually follow and I'm not following any of it. Um, so <laughs> I want to know, um, <laughs> Because I think from talking with you and listening to your story, I, I think I have an idea of why I would think you're bodacious. But what is it about you that you think is bodacious? Oh, these I was thinking about this because I saw it in the Um, I think just, you know, you should question. I don't know if this is bodacious, but just keep questioning everything. Like all along this journey, I was told so many times that I cannot do this thing whether it was the first events or women grow or like after women grow, like, wait, you already did this. You can't just start making products. Like you should you know, question any limitations you're putting on yourself and, you know, question the world as it's unfolding around you, especially in cannabis, because very like the more you make sure that the world is being built for you, um, the more you will create that world that you want. And all of this is happening right now. The products in Minnesota that you're allowed to access and who can access them and who can provide them, like these are critical questions that really will affect what the, you know, the end of this decade looks like in Minnesota. And so um, I'm someone who does keep questioning everything. I question myself too. <laughs> and um, that's something that I think could really behoove people you know, trying to make it in the cannabis space as well. There you have it, everyone. Jane West, the Vodation questioner of all at janewest.com. Thank you for joining us today. It's been fascinating. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome.